AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is David Kunz. David is the head of data science for DeGreed. David, welcome to the show. Hi, JP. Thank you so much. Really appreciate being here. Not at all. Our pleasure. So if you wouldn't mind, please start by giving us a little bit of background of yourself, what got you involved in technology and your journey with some of the roles you've held along the way. You know, it's, a, it's sort of a funny story uh, because when I was a kid, originally I wanted to be a microbiologist uh, and that led me into uh, wanting to be for a time uh, something entirely different. I wanted to grow up to be Bruce Lee uh, and that obviously didn't happen. You know, at another point, uh, I, I wanted to be so many different things. Uh, never wanted to be an astronaut, but I did want to be a genetic engineer. And that's what I went off to college to study. But it turned out that what was involved in that was not actually something that I was particularly uh, excited by uh, or particularly skilled in. Uh, and I ended up uh, more or less arbitrarily getting a degree in philosophy instead. Uh, I studied epistemology, which is theory of knowledge, which is really about what, what is knowledge, uh, what is belief, how does belief become knowledge, what counts as evidence uh, for the things that we believe, and how much evidence do you need in order for it to be something that you know. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, everyone told me there are no jobs in philosophy. Uh, and, uh, but I pushed ahead, graduate, you know, went into graduate school to get a PhD in philosophy and discovered everybody was right. There were no jobs in philosophy. So I, during, uh, graduate school, I had earned a little money on the side, uh, writing software. And I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna write software. Uh, I don't have a degree in that, but I'm sure I can find something. Uh, and I, so I was heading out into that world to look for uh, jobs in computer science. And uh, I came across an ad that was run one day in one publication that said philosophers wanted. And so I thought, how can I not apply for this job? Turned out that that was the company that makes the law school admission test. And they were having some uh, challenges at the time and were looking to hire a new breed of test developer to make the test. Uh, and I was their first hire of that new crew. And my job was to figure out what reading comprehension was and what analytical reasoning was and how you would measure it, how you would uh, identify these skills in people uh, and turn them and measure the degree to which they had them and could apply them. Now, this was a job that I felt very bad about taking uh, because I was convinced that uh, large-scale standardized tests measured nothing more than one's ability to take large-scale standardized tests. And, you know, by and large, many of them are not that great. Uh, but along the way, I discovered that there was this branch of statistics called psychometrics, which is really about measuring things that are going on in people's heads 
identifying what constitutes evidence for uh, the having of a skill or an ability to some degree and how you actually use data uh, to make those inferences. Uh, and so the bulk of my career has really been about how you leverage technology and data in the service of better measurement, uh, better teaching, and better learning. Here's the funny thing. This career that I had was a total accident, right? I mean, it was entirely uh, because I didn't feel like being a genetic engineer, uh, and I happened to see this ad. I happened to decide to study philosophy, and I happened to see this ad one day. Uh, that's led me to the role that I have now uh, at Degreed as the head of data science. It's quite an interesting journey um, with a couple of uh, ideas of, of what you thought you may become, but unsurprising, uh, like a lot of people who end up in, in senior leadership roles within, within data and AI, it's uh, timing, luck, and, and just following your, your curiosity, which can often lead you into some amazing positions. Um, so now focusing on your current role, um, for anyone who's not previously heard of Degreed, could you give us some insight into what the business does and what your role as head of data science involves? Absolutely. So Degreed is a seven or eight year old startup uh, in the uh, learning experience space, right? Uh, we've developed a learning experience platform uh, that uh, it, at present, has three plus million uh, active users on it. Uh, generally, uh, these uh, users are employees of, uh, of large companies. Uh, many of our clients are in the Fortune 100, Fortune 50. Uh, it provides a means of sort of aggregating the learning opportunities for uh, for learners using the platform. A company who would use a platform like this often has multiple sources of learning materials that they make available to their uh, employees. Some of them are uh, third-party subscriptions. Uh, for example, uh, they may subscribe to LinkedIn Learning or to uh, Coursera or to other providers of uh, rich learning content uh, to make available for their employees. A lot of the content is, uh, is home-developed um, in around particular areas of interest to the particular industries uh, of these clients. Uh, and so they may have very specialized content uh, about how to deal with particular kinds of situations, all the way to very sort of generic content about uh, leadership training or how to become a better manager or things like that. And so one of the things that we do uh, is we aggregate all of that content uh, plus our own uh, content as well into the system so that employees have a sort of one-stop shop, one place that they go to, single sign-on into it, and all of their learning materials are there. On top of that, we provide them with a view into their own skills uh, that uh, they may not have had sort of laid out in front of them before. They get the opportunity to tell us about their skills and to have their skills evaluated. Uh, so that they can better understand sort of what it is that, uh, that they're ready to do next, what skills they really need for their current role, uh, what skills they might want to learn for roles that they're interested in, uh, and so on. And so that then uh, enables us to provide, uh, on top of that, a view for the company writ large about uh, the skills 
and the skill distributions across their organization, which helps our clients plan for the future. They know that their industry is moving in a particular direction, and so they can project that their skill profiles that they're going to need over the next five or 10 years are going to change. And so through the Degreed platform, they can start to offer learning experiences to their employees to help drive the next generation of skills growth within their organization. Quite an exciting uh, offering um, for organizations, as you said, who are looking to, to leverage the various different trainings and, and, and education platforms available. Focusing on the data science aspect, what happens behind the scenes, can you give us some insight into what you're being tasked with, some of the problems you're going to be solving, some of the, the, the exciting projects down the line, and what drew you to, to this challenge at this point in your career? Well, Degreed, uh, ironically enough, uh, represents a solution in many respects to the problem that I had in trying to um, figure out what I was going to do with my life. As I said, I got into this whole sort of data science track accidentally. Uh, and part of what we are trying to enable uh, is a means for uh, for individuals to make more uh, considered and purposeful decisions about uh, where to invest their time uh, and uh, what opportunities are available for them. One of the things that we all as humans are sort of bounded by our own experience. We don't know what we don't know. Uh, and part of what uh, the degree platform tries to do is to surface things to individuals, very personalized, that, uh, uh, that can open doors for them and open horizons for them. They may not have known, for example, that their skills were by and large a very good match for this other set of opportunities, just as my skills turned out to be a very good match for uh, the path that I took uh, to get here. So the data science challenges that underlie that are, are, are pretty substantial. Uh, not only is there the, uh, the challenge of making the sort of ordinary inferences about what someone knows and what they're good at, which has its a whole host of unsolved problems associated with it. But in addition, uh, there's a great deal of inference that has to happen around uh, both what is a skill and how do those skills relate to job roles uh, and job descriptions uh, and career paths? Uh, and how, do you, how does one deal with the fact that no two organizations uh, have the same sort of understanding, uh, underlying understanding of what skills, what collection of skills are uh, most required or most appropriate for a particular job role within their organization. So there's a lot of data science work uh, that we're engaged in, in, uh, in looking across uh, jobs and job descriptions and skills and uh, analysis of skills uh, to uh, put together a, a sort of un robust underlying metadata structure that will enable those inferences sort of in near real time or real time uh, across all of these different kinds of environments. So quite, quite a complex challenge. Um, could you give some insight into the, how you're using machine learning and data science to 
move the projects along and you know where you see this evolving as you build out your your data science team absolutely so you know the, the first order of business uh for us is really right now getting the right uh infrastructure in place uh to do uh you know sort of real-time online processing we haven't historically uh had a need to do that but our growth has been such that now uh that's a really uh, becoming a really important part of our product offering in our platform and there's no rocket science to that anymore right companies have by and large figured out uh how to build those kinds of pipelines and frameworks uh the more interesting uh set of work that we really have in front of us uh as i mentioned is uh, is starting to de develop models uh, that will uh, do a few different things. So first off, let me just touch on this whole notion of proficiency estimation for a minute. Right? Understanding uh, a learner's proficiency, their degree to which they are able to do something, is straightforward when you can ask them lots of questions. That's the whole basis for sort of assessment. Learners in organizations aren't always in a position to be able to answer lots of questions. That is, they have their day jobs, they have work. Uh, and so part of what we are trying to figure out is how to leverage episodic, small collections of data uh, over extended periods of time to build a reliable uh, skills picture uh, uh, of each learner so that we can then uh, personalize the uh, offerings that we recommend to them. Uh, one of the important things there to recognize is that recommendations in the learning space are substantially different from the kinds of recommendations that one would make in a retail space. Retail recommendations are the ones that we're almost familiar with. But in the learning space, uh, what's really important uh, is that in fact, uh, if I recommend something to you, JP, uh, that I want you to spend time on, or that my system wants you to spend time on in order to learn some skill, that activity really actually needs to be something that is likely to help you learn that skill, right? I can't give you, a, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I came across an article recently about uh, IBM's use of artificial intelligence in the HR space. Right. And the, the article was interesting because there was this whole ironic sort of component to it. IBM also at the same time laying off 30% of their HR staff uh, because of the AI that they had developed. Um, here's the thing. So on some level, this is an article about artificial intelligence, but it is not an article that if I gave it to you is going to teach you anything that would enable you to improve your skills in this in the ai space right rather it is an article that will help you understand something about the the social aspects of artificial intelligence and it will help you something to understand something about the social impact uh, of artificial intelligence but it's not going to help you improve your skills in developing artificial intelligence so part of the, the data science challenge that we have in front of us as well is to really try and identify what the content is about in a way that lets us identify whether this piece of content is actually going to help you as a learner and as a practitioner improve your skills in this area.
quite interesting. Um, talking then about the the growth of your team and, and what's in store. You, you mentioned, look, you you guys are uh, seven eight years in business. You've recently taken on a, the the responsibility for driving all data science. Um, as the team grows and as the the project pipeline evolves, where do you see uh, needs within your group uh, arising, uh, and what what type of profiles stand out to you as you build a a data science team specifically for DeGreed? That's a great question, JP. So I've built a lot of data science teams uh, in my career. And one of the things that I look for is to build a diverse team uh, of talent and experience. Uh, I have found that having people uh, who, who have tried a lot of things, who have touched on a lot of things, who have had experiences in a lot of different uh, areas, uh, bringing them all together uh, ends up uh, creating a team of people who, uh, who can bring different perspectives and drive better solutions. Uh, so as an example, um, I look for people from, who have had experience in different industries. i happily build a team with you know, some people who have, for example, bioinformatics experience, gene sequencing kinds of problems that they're looking at, uh, bundled with some people who have spent some time in computer vision, uh, tied in with uh, some folks who have done a bunch of NLP work and add that to folks whose strengths are uh, on building scalable uh, machine learning models, uh, you know, for uh, high volume, high throughput. Uh, real-time systems. You bring all of these people together and they can start to play off one another in some very exciting ways, saying, oh, well, we tried this technique in this context. Maybe it'll work in this new context. Oh, I've never heard about that. Tell me about how that works. Oh, that's like this other thing. Yeah, we could do this stuff together. So when I try and put together a team, uh, I look for this diverse mixture because these are the teams that I've found that are uh, most likely to be most successful in solving some of these kinds of challenges. You've talked previously about some of the teams you've built along the way and, and you know, prior to your role in DeGreed, you've obviously led other data science groups. So could you give us some insight into what you've learned along the way and, and what you've enjoyed most about transitioning from philosophy into now pure, heavy, detailed data science and machine learning? You know, it's funny. Uh, the paths that we take in our careers uh, I can be sort of remarkably useful along the way. One of the things that some former colleagues of mine developed uh, many years ago uh, was a, this model called, uh, or methodology rather, called evidence-centered design uh, in the context of building better assessments of people's knowledge and skills. Evidence-centered design is an approach that I then have modified over the years uh, to leverage in the context of data science. Uh, it basically flips things on its head from the way data science projects and assessments are, uh, are often built. Um, a data science project that is evidence-centered design based starts with the claims that we want to make. What are the things that we want to be able to say about the outputs of the models that we're developing? What are, what are the claims that we are making? Are we making a claim about uh, the likelihood 
that a particular person will do a particular thing? Are we making a claim about the likelihood of a particular event being of a particular type? Uh, or are we making a claim uh, about uh, some uh, relationship between an object uh, and some other object? There are lots of different ways that data science projects can be uh, sort of described and framed. But if you start with the claims, then you can ask a really important question, which is what would count as evidence for those claims? With, if you never ask the question, what counts as evidence, it's hard to put together a robust model. From there, you can say, okay, so I know what the claims are that I wanna make. I, I know what will count as evidence for that. Now, let's think about the things that we can put in place that will actually collect that evidence. Uh, and then from there, you can then actually start to build the particular mechanisms in the product or in the, uh, or in the data ingestion system that will let you extract uh, the things that count as evidence to act as appropriate inputs into your model that can then be used to make the inferences that are in fact those claims, right? And if you do that, if you start by building it sort of backwards in that way, that enables you sort of at every point along the way to uh, create tests uh, for whether or not uh, your model is working. Because you need to be able to ask sort of all the way through, how am I going to know if this thing is actually working and making a difference? I, I had it's, it's such an important point that is often lost, particularly on people making the transition from academia to industry. Um, understanding that you can't just fall down the rabbit hole of pure research research that has to be a deliverable and a value add to a business so it'd be great to, to hear um some tips and pointers and, and some advice on how junior data scientists machine learning engineers can start to adopt that methodology to prevent themselves from falling into that rabbit hole one thing that you have to be able to do is sort of uh, understand what the base case is uh before you sort of head down the path. I'll give you a, a sort of trivial example of that. Uh, I, was, I was chatting with someone just the other day uh, and they were, they were talking sort of excitedly about a, a project that they had worked on in school. They try, were trying to build a model to determine whether an NBA player would return the next year, uh, what proportion of NBA players would return, right? And they were very excited because they said prediction accuracy 80%. And I said, okay, well, what proportion of uh, NBA players return every year? And they said, I don't know. And I said, so, so that means you don't know whether or not your model is actually doing better or worse than a, a sort of nominal model that just predicts that every player is going to return. If it turns out that 90% of the players return every year, the best model that you could put together or the easiest model that you could put together would be one that says, uh, every player returns. And then your prediction accuracy will be 90%. And he said, oh, I never thought of that, right? This is one of the really critical things uh, and, and one of the things that I've seen time and time again with, uh, with people who are just getting into the data science uh, arena uh, is that uh, they haven't had the opportunity or the thought to kind of step back and say, what is that world that I'm trying to model actually look like, right? And ECD can, evidence-centered design can help them do that. 
I think that that's really helpful, and, and I'm I'm sure people will will start to to focus on that um, as they advance their own uh, problem solving capabilities. Um, final question: It would be good to focus on what you've what you've learned along the way. Um, you've held uh, quite a few different interesting roles. Now landed in a position where you're leading all data science operations for a very exciting organization. Um, what what advice can you offer to uh, aspiring data scientists or people who are considering data science, machine learning as a, uh, a career? Data matters. This is, this is the thing that I've seen over and over again, uh, is that uh, a company, company that you work for, uh, or a company that you think you want to start, uh, uh, has great ideas about uh, how they can use machine learning, uh, data science to uh, do something magical. And yet they will build an application uh, or they will build a system uh, or they will build a product that doesn't actually collect the data that you need in order to do those magical things. It happens over and over and over again. And it doesn't happen out of any uh, ill will. It doesn't happen out of uh, stupidity. It doesn't happen out of any of those reasons. It just happens because often the people who are in the roles that are making the decisions about how to build the product don't understand how data fits into the equation. So one of the pieces of advice that I would love to offer, that I would love to see more of, is in two directions. One, is to the product side of the house and the other is to the data science side of the house. On the data science side of the house, as, a, as an up and coming data scientist, you can make a huge difference by helping your organization understand really what's needed, uh, how these kinds of inferences happen in a very sort of straightforward, uh, non-mathematical way. Help them understand why it matters that you collect this bit of data in this way, why it should be timestamped, right? As opposed to just overwritten, right? Uh, with each new update. Uh, help them understand how those kinds of details can make a difference in the uh, sort of miraculous things that you can help enable them to do. And on the product side, be open to. Uh, listening to your data scientists, but not just be open to listening to them, but actively solicit their opinion early on uh, in the development of these products and services. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the data to do the things that you need to do, you won't be able to do them. I think that's uh, some really important piece of advice. Um because the relationship between both sides is what drives the overall uh, productivity and, and the end result. Um, David, this has been uh, incredibly enjoyable. Thank you so much for your time. David Kuntz from The Grid. You've been listening to AI in Action. AI in Action is brought to you by Aulus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aulus offer an exec search program. Aulus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. 
Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. That's www.aldis.com. Aldis International, empowering through AI.